I have um, tonight been asked to speak on, uh, on the gift of tongues. I was asked this morning, I was invited to Sunny Mead to speak on the gift of tongues, and uh, I am, I'm not preaching the same word, if you want to. And that was more of a, a, a biblical um, exposition of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the promise of God being fulfilled, um, both a little bit in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, foretold that there was one that was going to baptize with fire. And then it was fulfilled in the Acts of the Apostles on the day of Pentecost. And then how that amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, which, which himself brought gifts to us, manifold gifts, and how they are outworked and precious. One of the, the sad things, I think, for the church is in some way the world is more supernatural than the church. And that's a tragedy, an abject tragedy. Because the church has got a supernatural God. And he works by a supernatural Holy Spirit. And yet, for lots of different reasons, maybe abuse, fear, that in the world they can look at supernatural things with a different view. And we can just say, that is awful. The supernatural is awful. Well, it is when the one behind the supernatural is the devil. But to shut down the supernatural God and to quench his spirit is quite another matter. And I feel chastened, often chastened, by the fact that do I, in, in, and, and ways for, to, to justify that, that we don't want abuse, so we cut out use altogether for fear of maybe something happening that we, we don't quite feel comfortable about. Well, if I was living with Jesus and through the days of the Acts Apostles, uh, they were white water rafting, and it was hugely uncomfortable. Not only to be a, a follower of Jesus because of the uh, unpredictableness in the best sense of the word of what Jesus was about to do and did, um, but also in the, 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 the situation in which they found themselves in great persecution, that they turned and depended upon God. It's quite interesting that a whole chapter in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14, is given over largely to the gift of tongues. A whole chapter in an amazing book. And it, it's given over because the, the Corinthian church were a bit super spiritual. They were the other way. They were a bit wacky, I suppose. Lots of things were happening which was a bit, um, you know, uncomfortable. And so the, 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 Paul, through the Holy Spirit, wanted to bring order to the church. And um, I was just, while I was worshipping, and I had this sort of debate in my mind 
whether I should, should ever say this because you'll never think the same of me again. And uh, I think you might withdraw the, uh, the um, role that I, I have got in this church. But there was an occasion when I was in a, in a meeting and uh, the Holy Spirit was heavily present. It was in a church where no one knew me, so I felt comfortable. And uh, I rested in the Spirit on the floor for a period of time. I, I wouldn't say I was slain in the Spirit. I wasn't sort of... I, I chose to lay on the floor and just uh, allow the Holy Spirit. When you're on the floor... It's quite a different position to be in in church, isn't it? You become vulnerable. Yeah, you've sort of out of control a bit. And uh, I rested there for some while. I wish it was going on. And inadvertently, I found my legs moving. And uh, it was as though I was on my back pedaling. In a church, on the floor, on my back, Pedaling like mad. I was like um, Wiggins, but I wasn't on a bike. I was on my back. And uh, it was so, so strange. This, this, and uh, I said prophetically, you know, the Lord was maybe speaking to me about moving, moving into different sorts of uh, ministries and responsibility. But I, 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 I found, you know, I'm, I'm, people would carol would say lovingly that I'm, I'm boring because I'm predictable, yeah? I, I, I don't do those sort of things at home, lay on my back pedaling in the air, though, though in the, for the last six months I've been doing all sorts of stuff with my shoulder sort of moving around, which is akin to that, but... Um, But sometimes, you know, the, the Lord wants to break us down. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to 1 Corinthians 14. Let me, let me just start reading a little bit of it. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. We spoke quite a long time this morning about the way of love and eagerly desiring spiritual gifts that we might walk in the way of love. They're not separate things. They're not just random thoughts that, that Paul was having. He's thinking to walk in the way of love because he's just spoken about the body of Christ and he's spoken about the supremacy of love, the excellence of love in chapter 13, that to actually walk in the way of love, we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts in order to fulfill that command that to love someone I should be ministering spiritual gifts to them. All spiritual gifts other than than part of the gift of tongues which is to edify myself but there's another part which is akin to prophecy when it's interpreted is for the body of Christ. But every other gift is not for me, it's for you but given to me. So if I love you I should be eagerly desiring a spiritual gift to share with you in order to fulfill that. So follow the way of love and eagerly, and it was eagerly, we stressed eagerly, didn't we? We we spent some while about deciding what what eagerly is when you eagerly do something. 
not just desire it, or just, oh, perhaps if he gives me something, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah? He won't give it to you. He will not give it to you. He will give it to you if you desire it. And if you ask for it. How much more will, the, will, will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask for it? We need to ask. We need to want it. Otherwise, we'll go through life without this most precious gift. And we'll function. Many churches function. But I, I, I question whether I function the way I should if I haven't asked and don't ask. Especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysterious uh, mysteries rather with his spirit. But everyone, that, that contradicts the thought, and we, we spoke about cessation, those people that think that these, these gifts were for the apostolic church and therefore no longer, because the word of God has come, therefore we do not need anything else, because this was written pre the Gospels, pre everything. It's one of the earliest letters to be written. But in, in, in this, he's saying he utters, and that they would also argue that it was for the day of Pentecost when there were, were people from all over the world and the wonders of God, the mysteries of God needed to be given to them in their own tongue, in their own language. So all this gobbledygook that we get these days is, um, is, is, is not right. But he, here he's, in, he's not talking about languages, he's saying that they're uttering mysteries. We don't understand what they're saying. This is a, a heavenly language that's come from God. Um, he utters mysteries with, with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I would rather even have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than, than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may edify it. Now, brothers, I come to you and speak in, in tongues. What good will it be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that have uh, no sounds, such as the flute or harp. How will anyone know what tune is being played? He goes on talking about um, that, that theme about uh, needing to know and the, 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 if, if you don't know, it's, it's not of value. Um, and then verse 13, for this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, and I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. And uh, it goes on about talking about the need for orderly worship. Maybe we'll return to that. But 
On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was, the, the promise of the Father was given to the church, just as it had been foretold. And uh, we read in, in Acts 2. Verse 11, verse 14. After the day of Pentecost, then then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Then he goes on to quote, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Who will he pour his spirit out on? Is there some exception in God's intent? No? No? If I have to own up that I am one who's intended that God would pour out his spirit upon me. That's what he wants to do. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven and signs on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. This was a day of Pentecost. It was, uh, that was one of the statutory feasts of, uh, of the Jewish nation. It was the Feast of First Fruits. It was um, uh, a harvest time. It was a wave offering. You'd either wave a sheath or a, uh, a, a lamb before God in, in thanksgiving. But it was the first fruits of, of what was to come for the remainder of the harvest. So this, in a sense, was, was, was perfect this is the first fruits of God's pouring out of his Holy Spirit. And, uh, uh, and, and he's continued to do that. And uh, when I was a... This was only months after I was, I was saved. And I repented of my sins and gave my life to Jesus. Uh, I received this amazing, amazing baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it... it I was, I was, I was lo- I'd like love God for what he'd done in my life. I couldn't say that I knew much about the scriptures or things like that, but I knew the love of God and I knew forgiveness. And I knew that he changed my life and heart and that he, he wanted things to happen. And he wanted to, to use me. And I wanted to be a servant. I, I was saved to be a servant. I, I remember it quite clearly. The call of God was to serve him as a servant. And whatever he was to ask me to do, I was to do it. And uh, I used to play this, this song. It was a carpenter's song about um, being a servant. And I used to play it over and over and over and over again. It was ringing in my mind and this, this whole thing about serving him. And I was yielding my life. And, uh, I, 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 and I, th- I think that's the point of contact with God. And one evening he filled me with his Holy Spirit. I, I, it's difficult to explain the, 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 the sense of the power of God falling on me. It was, 
It wasn't that, of course, salvation was about the Holy Spirit. Of course, that, that to be saved, I, I had the Holy Spirit. But the fullness of God, or the realization of what he had put within me, I don't know which way around it. I'm not going to argue about whether I had it at conversion or it came later. But at that moment, I realized. I realized that the, the, the power of God through the Holy Spirit had been given to a redeemed sinner. And it was so wonderful. And inadvertently, I found myself speaking in a language I couldn't understand. I spoke in tongues. I received it from God. And uh, this, this, this baptism to empower and enable us, this, this release or, or, or the acknowledgement of what God has done. See, water was unto repentance. So in in uh, uh, Ephesians, um, not Ephesians, Acts 19, when Paul was in Ephesus, he comes across this little bunch of believers, 12 of them, and he says, what repentance did you, did you have? And then, oh, the re- we were baptized, uh, you know, the repentance of John for the forgiveness of sins. You know, have you heard about the Holy Spirit? What Holy Spirit? No one's told us about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul laid hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in another language, tongues. I think partly it's ignorance that when we're, we're not taught necessarily or understand. And the other thing is fear. Let's, let's play it safe, yeah? Let's not be too risky. Let's not go whitewater rafting with Jesus. I quite like paddling in the shallows, Yeah? We're baptized with fire unto holiness and service. Yeah? One is baptized unto salvation. Another one is quite, quite different. And this, these are gifts of the Spirit that we've been looking at. These are gifts of the Spirit. They're spiritual gifts. They're from the Spirit. I have to keep reminding myself, their Spirit is the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For each one, for each and every one, the manifestation of the Spirit. What is a manifestation? What is this manifestation that is given me? Because I'm a good bit on Quiz Planet, I should know all these answers, shouldn't I? The manifestation for the common good. The manifestation is a shining forth. That's what it means. A shining forth. A visible demonstration of invisible power. That's what it is. A visible demonstration of an invisible power that's been given to me. A revelation of God's presence is given to each one of us. Not that we, I can say, you know, that, 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 that manifestation is that I go to church. No. 
That manifestation is I've received the gift of the Spirit in my life. And these are spiritual gifts. They are supernatural gifts. Amen? Mm. Do you like the supernatural? Hmm? They're supernatural gifts. They're gifts of the Spirit. It's a gift. It's the charismata. They're they're grace gifts. They're the visible effect of grace being on your life and the giving of God. They're unearned, undeserved. There's no theological uh, sort of degree that I... um, I I don't take that back from Gary and... (laughs) And Tom, but it, that's wonderful that they, they can get an understand a theological understanding of what of what we're talking about. But I don't need that to receive it. As a young Christian, I was a, there was a pastor, and he was working with a a, a group of, of of boys that were in a, a, a you call them reform centres. What were they called? Borstal. It was a Borstal. It was called Boyle's Court, and it was in Brentwood years ago. It's not there any longer. Um, but he was working there, and he'd, 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 he'd brought some of these lads back to his home, and uh, we'd gone round there for coffee. So I'm sitting in his little living carol with me, and he said, um, have a little look. And I said, look, 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 look at what? He's in the kitchen. I thought he was going to show me some cakes or something. So look in the kitchen... There's this boy, maybe 12 years old, sitting on a stool in the kitchen, and he's in heaven. Oh, he's babbling away in tongues. Just, just talking in tongues. Sitting on a stool. His face was shining. Unbelievable. And my jaw dropped. And he just shut the door and we had coffee, leaving him in there, talking to God. Wow, it's from Borstal. There's men in prison that, that receive this gift. In Mark sixteen seventeen, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. Amen. They will speak with new tongues. Amen? Mm. Are they both important? It goes on about healing the sick as well as, as uh, um, stamping on, on serpents and uh, picking up snakes and all that sort of stuff. But they are signs. It says, these signs will accompany those who believe. These words, signs, it's, a, it's akin to miracles. The same word is used. And that, that, as a sign, it attracts attention. It's often used in, in evangelism. And these spiritual gifts, they are distributed by God. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Given, oh, we, they're given to each one just as he God or the Holy Spirit determines. To one is given wisdom, to another knowledge. It's God who's determining. It's God who's saying, 
Hi, Norba. I want to give you this gift. Hi, Ian, I want to give you this gift. What do you want to give me a gift for? Because there's someone who needs it, Ian. And I need you to receive it that you may love them. Oh, I don't do, I don't do supernatural gifts. Oh, is that so, God says. Oh, I learn something new every minute. Well, churches, we don't do the Holy Spirit. Oh. I wonder what the Holy Spirit thinks about that. You were saved to bear the Holy Spirit. Not just to forgive you for your sins and give you an eternity with God. But you were saved and cleansed and made holy to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to carry him into the world that you might be his witnesses. What? His witnesses of what? That you carry and bear the Holy Spirit. And within you is a treasure test that came from heaven. Does that deserve another hallelujah? Does it? Isn't it good? Isn't it exciting? And these gifts are given, for God gives, it says in John 3.34, without measure. Woo! Without measure. Pressed down and running over. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to a person for a particular need, a particular time, but now the Spirit is poured on all flesh. Oh, let it rain. Let it rain. Let him come. Why do we fend him off? Why do we have like some spiritual umbrella that will stop it raining on me? And the gift of tongues of all things has maybe the thing that has caused the most contention in a church. Why would that be? Because it is so obviously unnatural. We can do all the other stuff, we can have wisdom, and that's quite comfortable. But you do tongues, and you're out of the natural. And there's something that comes against you. It's called the flesh. It's called the devil. The devil doesn't want the church to be supernatural. The devil couldn't stop us being church, but he can certainly stop us receiving the power that I need to be church. In the sort of biblical context, I just want to talk about his purpose and its outworking, but... At the, at the, when they built the Tower of Babel and they, they wanted to, to, I don't know, to reach God under their, in their own flesh, God thought, you, you, you're not going to do this. You're not going to reach me in your own flesh. You're not going to be like me. And he scattered them. And they were then a group of people with many languages. 
Not one language, but many languages. At the day of Pentecost, when there were many languages together, God reversed what happened in Babel. And he chose at that time to call a people out of many people into his kingdom. And he gave them this sort of sign that there'd be a a language for them, one language, a spiritual language. You ever thought about how people are going to converse in heaven? Hmm? Are they all going to have to go on English lessons? Well, we've got to do a a course in Hebrew, Greek. Have I got to start speaking in King James, English? How are we going to do it? How will we? Is there no talking? There's a lot of singing going on. Some shouting. We'll have a spiritual language. And those of us that don't like tongues down here better get used to it up there. Yeah? You better. Because it's coming. It can be used privately, which we read about, which was man to God. Or it can be used publicly, which is God to man. We read... He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. In the book of Romans, I, 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 I always think this is Paul explaining about tongues in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. That's, that's common, isn't it? We don't know how to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. There's some word, there's some spiritual thing that's going on. Some private prayer language that's spiritual. And he who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. There is something so powerful about praying in the Spirit. Because it's a spiritual thing, we've bypassed the, the complications of my mind, my weaknesses, we've bypassed the, the interception of the enemy, and we're God to God in the Spirit. It's a wonderful, it's, it's, not, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have. I remember once I was on a, I may have shared this, I was going to the uh, Congo and uh, I'd had some trouble with flights and on the second day, the first day I'd, I'd, uh, the flights didn't happen and uh, uh, through a miracle I'd, I'd, I flew the next day and I, I had a flight to Paris and then from Paris to Kinshasa and uh, the, the flight was delayed, there was a technical fault and uh, I was on the plane and I said to the, I, I only had an hour and a half layover in, in Charles de Gaulle and it's a, there were different terminuses. Um, and uh, we were an hour and a quarter late taking off and I, I spoke to the air hostess and I said, um, 
uh, I've got a flight to, um, to Kinshasa. She said, I'm sorry you've missed it. And uh, I just sat there. And I needed to get there the next day because there was a big conference that I was speaking at. And uh, I knew they were praying for me. And I just sat there and I was surrounded by the other people and uh, I was all on my own. And I just began to pray in tongues. I could do nothing else. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for the 50 minutes of the flight. And uh, we were just coming into land. And my flight was like, um, it would have gone in 10 minutes. And obviously it was, I'd missed it. And the air hostess came up to me and said, uh, Mr. Moore? I said, yeah. She said, um, there'll be a car waiting for you when you get off the plane. And we'll, we're going to take you to the, they're holding your flight. Yeah. And uh, they did it. And I, I, I got on that plane. And I was just so full of praise to God. They're, they're, they've, they've waited you know, a whole plane of, of 300 people had made way for me and my God. And I believe it was because of praying in tongues. I didn't know how to pray. And uh, so we don't know how, but to pray in the Spirit. And also to praise, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. I can speak in the tongue of an angel? Angels are worshipping. They're, they're, they're worshipping beings. I can speak in a tongue of an angel. You may say, oh, I wish you'd start, Ian. <laughs> but you can. This is not talking about some super Christian. This is talking about Mr. or Mrs. Average Christian. The normal Christian life, as Watchman Nee would say. This is the normal. This is not the supernormal, the paranormal. This is the normal Christian life. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. In spirit. Worship in spirit. It's fine to, the, 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 the doctrinal statements of hymns. I love them. I love singing scripture. I love it in the, being in the truth, but I need to be in the spirit. Open to the spirit. To be directing and influencing and empowering my life. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. So what should I do? I will pray with my spirit. But I will also pray with my mind. There are two different things going on here. Paul understands them. Not just mind, but spirit. I will sing with my spirit and also sing with my mind. You've all heard singing in the spirit, haven't you? You've all been, many of you have been part of that, that wonderful release of singing in the Spirit. Where you know it's of God and you just never want it to stop. And this wonderful language of, uh, because my English 
is inadequate. You can say hallelujah to that. But my English is inadequate. There's not enough superlatives to express my love for God. His greatness, his majesty, his awesomeness. We run out of adjectives. We run out of superlatives. Paul, actually, you know, in some of his, you know, his writings, he puts super, uh, superlatives together. But there comes to it when even that's not enough to express our feelings and our emotion and our love towards God. And it was commonplace when the Spirit fell on Cornelius' household. Peter saying, oh, I was only preaching. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit fell. I didn't get through my sermon. And all of a sudden, you know, the Holy Spirit came. How do you know the Holy Spirit came? They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. It's a bit disorderly, isn't it? And for public use, there's a whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, God to man, unedifying unless we know. It needs to be interpreted. This is a very humbling experience to be given a gift and to know that someone else has got to be given a gift for that gift to mean anything. I I want to be the one that says the good words. I want to be the one that interprets, but no. Hang on, Ian, you just speak in that, in that funny language. And someone else is going to interpret it and bring edification to the body of Christ. Tongue plus interpretation becomes prophecy. The impartation of truth needs to be intelligible. And of course any gift can be misused. They thought they were, they were acting like drunk people because they couldn't understand. But I've, I've seen it. I've been in meetings where, and it was shocking. Where people in the, whether they, they knew what they were doing, and maybe it's even wrong for me to publicly comment, but they were acting like drunk people. Acting like drunk people. Not able to put words together. And it was so patently of the flesh. It was dishonouring to God that they had lost their dignity because God won't take away our dignity. He gives us dignity. And so any spiritual gift can be misused, but what does that mean? We don't use them? Well, uncontrollable laughter. I've been in meetings where I've laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. There's sometimes when that's of the flesh. When it's manufactured joy. How we need to be humble before God and say, give me what you think I need to be your child that I may follow the way of love. Because... The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophet, it says in 1 Corinthians 14 towards the end. So you say, oh, I don't want to speak in tongues. I'll be out of control. What if I got to wait, Rose, tomorrow? And I'm on the checkout, and all of a sudden, whoosh, 
The spirit of the prophets is in control. He would decide. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. I close by, I'm sorry I've taken longer, but to earnestly desire. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And maybe as we worship and we we break bread now, maybe, I don't know how the Spirit's going to lead us, but maybe we could just be open, put down all the barriers with God, be willing to take that risk in quotes of launching out into the deep. Maybe where we've never been before. And allow him to say, Ian, I'm going to ask this of you. And say, it's beyond me. Hey, it's not beyond my spirit, he says. Would you? Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Father, just as Katie and the band come together, Father, Mother, would you release our spirits that we would worship you in spirit and truth? May, Father, we open our lives to you, maybe in a fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen.